welcome to Burning the Edge. We would like to welcome to the tea our host, Mr. Arthur Miller Jr. Thank you for listening to Burning the Edge podcast. Today we're going to have a conversation with a couple more of my golf buddies, Kendrick Hickman and Ronald Porter. All right, fellas, man. I appreciate y'all guys getting on here, man. We got uh, bro, Meech in the back over there. I don't, I'm not sure he's new to the call, but we're gonna get his opinion on everything tonight too. Yes, sir. Y'all gonna let me have an opinion? <laughs> yeah, this ain't your house, so you can have an opinion on here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, wife. If you ever listen to this, I didn't say that. <laughs> hey, uh, so, um, this week on the PJ tour, we had the WGC event at Concessions down in Tampa, Florida. A lot of the players wearing the Tiger Woods black and red to, uh, except one. <coughs> Yeah, it was a few of them. Then uh, I know one of them wanted to. Mark Howell said he wanted to, but he's um he didn't get his shipment in mm-hmm. because of the weather. Man, and, big uh, sporting goods right around the corner. I yeah, that. well, you right. know a lot of them too. And I heard them talking about this on the uh, golf channel. Um, a lot of them have commitments to sponsors and stuff, mm-hmm. so they had to wear. Yeah, that. they had to wear a certain thing with certain sponsors already on it, embroidered, and all that stuff. So. That was a big issue. Um, well, they ain't like they didn't just figure out that they was playing in the tournament. They could have got their stuff done. Yeah. You know, it's no. kind of it's kind of iffy, you know. No, no, they Yeah. <laughs> Political. <laughs> you know, some of them cats, man, they, you know, to me, honestly, uh, none of, all of them should be showing Tiger the utmost respect because you take away Tiger – you take away Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, like those three guys, kind of Greg, uh, uh, the shark, I can't think of, Greg Norman. You know, some of them guys, you take away a lot of them guys, but especially Tiger, man. Like, golf really took a big jump when Tiger came on the scene and was playing as well as he was. Like, and all of them have to take their hats off to him. You can say what you want to about his personal life or whatever, but as far as his golf career, you have to take your hat off to that dude. Man, he is the GOAT. I don't give a darn what nobody say. They can talk about Jack Nicklaus all they want to, but the truth of the matter is this dude is the GOAT, man. Anytime you can... Like all you got, you ain't got to watch a documentary, man. You go back and look at his record. That's all you got to look at his record. This dude almost won like one out of four tournaments. He was winning more than one out of four. He was winning. So it was like if you showed up one out of four, tur- you might well not even worry about it. You know, if you play with if you play with him in four tournaments in a row, you ain't got a chance. And you might well you be, hey, hey I plan for second. You know, <laughs> so this is what I this is what I like about Woods, man. He he revolutionized the game as far as his physique coming in, how long he could hit that ball, um, and he's the reason why you have so many golfers now that are smashing that golf ball. When he came in, man, guys weren't driving that ball three hundred yards like that on a regular like he was doing, um, and then also how he helped to bridge that that gap with cultures, man. He's helped bring that stuff because I remember as a kid, we would often be a couple flies in a 
you know, in a bowl of milk. I hate to use that analogy, but that's how it would be when I'd be out there with my dad, man. Yeah. It'd be us four with five. I'm five. I'm the little kid. And it'd be the only people of color out there on the course. And yeah. now you subject to see it be 50-50 when you go out there. Now you see some of everything. So he helped do that big time. And also he, he uh, coined a new term, tiger proofing, because when he first came on the scene, they started changing courses all over the country because mm-hmm. he could hit the ball so far. You know, yep. I guess they are trying to, quote, unquote, even the playing field, so to speak. Tiger proof it. You know, yeah. I wondered about that. Is Was it trying to even the playing field or was it trying to keep him from winning? Both, uh, as folks say in Memphis, both B O U F, both of them. Yeah, that's that's crazy though, man. You know, even though now they still talking about, it's like as soon as somebody do something or whatever, here they come trying to, I guess, make it more difficult or whatever. You or the kind of streamline who can win. It kind of remind me of that. Um, yeah, it's just it's. It's different, you know. So, so here's flip to a different sport. Look at basketball, right? These guys are shooting the ball so consistent and so good, so far out. They're talking about probably pushing it back again. Like, I hadn't heard it. Three point line that. A little bit, yeah. Hey, I, matter of fact, I know in college it's going back. I believe next season they're supposed to do it this season, but due to COVID, um, you know, it didn't. So, like a lot of gyms have dual lines in the college gyms, right? But the men's right. line is about to go back because kids are shooting so good from so far out. Um, so, I mean, people – I, I like the fact that the game will change. Um, it does look a little odd when it's one person that does something so well and they change it. Like I said, that's why they, they tiger proof. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, that's how it is. So, do you think the three-point line should be the same spot for the NBA and college? Men's? No. No, yeah. I don't. I, I think um, – it should be a smooth transition. You know, high school should keep keep it where it is. Um, college should be just a little bit further than the NBA because you look at it, you know, high school, I'll just use men, for example. You got nice strength. Then you hit college is when you hit that, that next level of you kind of being mature. But then when you make it to the league, here you are. Let's say you're 21, 22. Yeah, this is what grown men. This is grown men. Now your body didn't really mature it up to it. So you should be able to shoot that far if you're a shooter or whatever. So, yeah. And plus, they're getting paid that kind of money, man. Yeah, if you shoot that far out, you better have it in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now you got seven-footers shooting from way back there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I didn't know that the um, until I had a couple games um, in the Grizzlies practice facility for the middle school and high school stuff, their paint, like, do is way bigger than what I like what you see on high at high school. Yeah, high it's school. wild. Woo! Man, like them kids, it seemed like it took them forever when the ball when they shoot the free throw and they miss it. It seemed like it took them forever to crash and have to rebound. They're like, ref, we gotta stand back there. You on this floor tonight? Yes. And if you're gonna shoot a three, you gotta shoot it way over there against that wall. That's how far back it is. You shooting that. Other than that, we ain't eyeballing nothing. Yeah. So I was just reading this about um, Forbes article, and it was talking about during the Masters. Uh, I don't know which one it was, but um, you know, Tiger signed the sponsorship with Nike, right? Yeah, said that the uh, on the Masters broadcast during the final round, 
where you know everybody can see him because the cameras are going to follow him everywhere. Right. And that was worth twenty two and a half million dollars. That's how much exposure they got from just by him wearing their their products. Yeah. But truth be told, when Tiger is not playing in the Masters, I don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I say all that was, I mean, because you, you think about what he's meant to golf. Right. You know, like, said Nike. I mean, everybody knows Nike golf. Right, right. You were in Nike golf before Tiger started wearing I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. was it Nike golf before he started playing? I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> if, if it if it was, it must not have been as as existing as it is now. That's for sure. Yeah, was, so and and they were able to pay him a uh, a five year, a hundred million dollar contract. Mm. Mm. Just I mean, where that? Yeah, that's crazy. Right, I guess he hit the balls too. I mean, just you know. Yeah. This before they. They went totally just apparel. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the the contracts and deals look like between Nike and Tiger versus Nike and Jordan. Well, you know, he's going. He's definitely. Well, you talking about when he signed? What that and like, let's say for instance, if you took uh, how much they make. Well, they probably. I'm sure they probably make more off of Jordan stuff because basketball is just a more. popular sport than golf is but you know his brand has been around longer in the fact and, and jordan making billions man he makes yeah, so he, much yeah he does his initial contract wasn't as much though um but when he got to a point where he was able to buy his uh logo he's still affiliated with them but is that's why they call it jordan brand right brand jordan. so yeah he's making a ton of money and his golf stuff when he when you got jordan golf stuff yeah uh, you can't if you don't. You have to bag quick. As soon as you see them shoes come out, you better jump on them. If not, you'll be, be trying to wear a size seven. Drip down, down, down. Coming to you now is a dripped out moment. Drip down, down, down. Air Max ninety seven special colorway. Limited release. That's the part I like about the mall. I don't know if y'all can see that, that pink glitter yeah. at the bottom. When we do the breast cancer tournament, if I don't get best dress, you know, it's oh, a hard, man. Yeah, saw. Hey, them uh, them must be them lacrosse shoes, are they? No, these are golf shoes. They golf shoes? Yes, sir. Yeah, Air Max 97 golf shoes. They were limited release. They just released uh, on the 15th, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, how you get, I mean, how you find out about all these releases, man? Um, so let me go be professional. So, um, hey, anybody from Nike, if you're uh, listening to this podcast, this is uh, Ronald Porter here. I'd love to have a Swoosh access account. Um, I actually was up very early to um, log in and make sure I was one of the first people to buy your product. So I wear Nike all the time. Uh, Instagram's at I go by Porter underscore Porter. Um, so, yeah, Nike, you know, I spend a lot of money. Help my brother out. <laughs> yeah, but now to answer your question, man, I had to get up. They released, they they have a release time, a uh, date and time, and I'll just set my alarm clock and just make sure I'm on the app. And as soon as it released at 9 a.m., I'm just on there. The app actually has all your stuff preloaded. You just got to go confirm it. So when you hit the shoe, tell it, add the cart, it knows your shoe size, payment, shipping information, then you just pay for it. The Nike app? Oh, this is on the Nike app? Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I didn't like the fact that I paid full price for them. Um, well, yeah. So hopefully somebody from Nike is listening to this wonderful Burning the Edge podcast. We would all love. Maybe just me, one of us. We got to order for all of us. <laughs> Give up the swoosh, swoosh account, Nike. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. I need that discount. We need that discount. Burning the Edge, baby. Mm. But yeah, we appreciate that plug from you uh, for Nike, man. Hopefully, we can get that deal signed quickly. This has been a dripped out moment with Ronald Porter. So we got uh, Colin Markow and pulled it out today. Yes. Um, I didn't get to see the end of it though. I would have liked to seen it, but I know he was playing pretty good. It's a tough course though. Yes. What do y'all think about Tony Finau? He parred hole one, got a triple on number two, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, a heck of a like four hole stretch. He ended up parring uh, seven and eight, and he bogey number nine. But to recover, like you know how mentally tough yeah. you have to be, like. For us, yeah. you get a triple. Man, right, how do you feel after a triple? Uh, it's good I don't carry my gun on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> Kendrick and uh, Tamisha, how y'all feel after a triple? And, you know, it affects you for a couple of holes after that. I mean, especially if you're playing in a tournament or anything like that, and then you got to just have that quick memory. Yeah. Uh, shake it off. Move on. Can't do nothing about it. Nothing at all. Man. If I was a professional like you guys, it would affect me greatly. But since I don't play that often, mm. I move on to the next hole. I'm just going <laughs> to be out there. <laughs> well, I want to clarify something. There's only one professional right now. His name is Arthur Miller Jr. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> you, you're considered a professional when you start getting uh, lessons and you have a, a pro and stuff. So. You can Google it. It's all Google stuff. I Googled it, and I was like, wow, I have I play with a pro, Arthur Miller. Hey, <laughs> hey. That is not true. My pro. Hey, Google it. Kendrick, Google it right now. What class <laughs> fight you at a pro, an amateur pro, whatever it's going. I'm telling you, you're going to be like, wow, uh, Arthur Miller pro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so with the triple, how would you guys feel if you came right behind that the next six holes and you got a birdie, a par, birdie, birdie, par, par. How would you feel after that triple end if you did that? I'd be like, I need another birdie even at that triple. <laughs> <laughs> that triple would be out of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, you wouldn't even think about yeah. it after that. It probably cost, it cost you some money in the end, though. So yeah. the thing about if you hit a triple and it keep you out of prize money or it keep you out of placing first or whatever, then you're like, you're kicking yourself the whole time. I mean, Tony Finau, what, last week, two weeks ago, missing those two putts? I mean, that's that's the tournament. You got it. It is. By most accounts, it's a pretty easy putt. Yeah, I can't tell you. I mean, like, usually for me, I mean, playing at the level that I play at, like, triples, you can't get the triples. I mean, you. I don't. I don't get enough birdies to 
to get a triple, really. Like, because once you get that one triple like that, that pretty much is like kills you. You know, if you can limit it to like bogus, then you got a chance, you know, staying below with bogus. But when you get triple. that triple, it's just like, God, I'll get. Yeah. And usually it's been in like where I, I, for me, it's always where I compound my mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. I hit a bad shot. And then I make a stupid decision to do something stupid, you know, like you hit it in the thickness and you thinking, well, I can see the ball. Well, I can try to hit it out of there. <laughs> and, you know, you chunk it or you blade it and it's like that gummy is in a worse spot than it was before. You know, ain't nothing like it being sitting up on top of some soft crap. You try to hit it and you hit it down under the crap and you like, God, dog it. You know, it's then you ain't got no choice but to take on player, but then you getting another stroke. You know, it's like, man. So to me, those are the things like course management um, is is key in winning tournaments. You know, even competing for tournaments, course management is a big deal, you know, especially when you're not. I'm not at the level where I bury a lot of holes. You know, most of my my best holes are paws. You know, I might get a birdie here and there, but most of them are paws and bogus. Well, here's the thing why I asked that question is because Morikawa was he won um eighteen under for the tournament. And I'll just use Kepka for example. What if that was him and he loses by three strokes? Yeah. Or just or just a round for today, like round four. Morcal was three under and Finau shot even. And that triple comes into play. Like, ooh, that's a weird feeling just to know yeah. that one hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, that's three strokes and that take him to three under. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's cool to see Morcal pull the win out, man. Also, uh, on the, I know we don't usually talk about the LPGA, but uh, something – uh, significant happened today. Uh, Annika Soriston, I don't know if y'all are familiar with her, but she's a very well-known, very good uh, female golfer. She's a little older now, but she played today. I think she's 45 or 50. The, uh, the ladies golf tour, like Tom Taggarty. Yeah, she, yeah, she was uh, very well-known. Oh, you said she, how old is she? Uh, let me. I'm looking it up right now. She is 50, so she's one of the few older women that actually has played in a PGA event. Uh, over I guess maybe 40 or something like that. But she actually made the cut. Um, she played. She actually didn't. She had a bad day. I think it was yesterday was her bad day, but uh, she actually didn't play terrible. She's 50? Yeah. 50? Yeah. And she dominated the game so much back in the day. Back in, I think, I would say back, it was probably in the late 90s. She dominated the women's pro golf game like Tiger did when he first came on the scene in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. She dominated so much that there was talk of her playing on some of the PGA Tour events. And then there was a lot of discussion about it. And some of the guys um, who played on tour back then said that if she's going to play on the men's tour, she need to go through Q school just like everybody else. 
she shouldn't be given a pass just because of she dominated, you know, the um, women's tour. So uh, you, that, that's a good um, point. It kind of reminded me of, I know one time they had, uh, it was one tournament, I think it was down in New Orleans, where they had like two-man teams and um, actually female played with a female, female golfer. I can't remember what her name was, but a lot of the guys played together, but then like he played with a female golf. So what do y'all think about um, them having tournaments? Like if they paired a PGA pro up with a LPGA pro and that they played together in, in a tournament or whatever, would you like to see that kind of tournament? I think it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Are they playing from the same tees? Uh, I don't know. That's that we'd have to talk about that. Yeah, she uh yeah, I mean I think yeah, when when um dang, what's the tall girl name? Michelle Wee. No, no Michelle. The Thompson Lexi Thompson, that's her. Yeah, Lexi yeah. Thompson. So uh Lexi and Female played in a tournament together and uh they played from the Ooh. same tees, but she is a she hits the ball far. Yeah, she yeah. she cracks that mug too. Like she is not a punk about hitting the ball at all, and um, they actually play pretty know. good. Michelle, we're six one. Yeah, Michelle is tall too. I but what, 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 do y'all, what do y'all think about the players uh, wearing the black and red today to, to uh, pay tribute to Tiger and support him, show support to Tiger? I love it. Um, I think it shows that in the sport. That even though you, you we all compete, you know, when I say we, I'm talking about them, but they, they all compete. Um, but they also have a heart as well because nobody, you know, you don't want that to happen to anybody. You know, it's almost like it takes you back a year ago with Kobe and how it, every night for a whole month people were paying respects to Kobe, you know what I mean? So I think it's dope. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good to give people their flowers while they hear it, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to wait until somebody deceased to 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 pay tribute to him or to um to just show support to the man, you know. Right. That's right. I yeah, I think that was dope, man. And hopefully they can figure something out now. You don't want nothing ever happen again, but with these contracts and these sponsorships and, you know, they got to wear certain stuff, like, man, be able to wing it on the fly, like, man, he, like, you know, that's what was kind of hit on earlier, you know, with the money that these sponsors paying these guys, if you want to change it to a red shirt, put your stuff on there real quick. I mean, Iron it on. Something. Dude, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take all that. I mean, you when they go to the practice range, oh, I need X, Y, and Z. They go fix the club just like that. Yeah. So you mean you tell me you can't go sew a patch on a shirt? They ain't even got to sew it on. I work for the Grizzlies, Doc, and you get somebody that's coming in and their jersey's not ordered. That man, that stuff was ironed on, Doc. That might be different now. This was you talking about over 10 years ago when I worked for them, but Doc. They had somebody they, professional. They I've seen them. they got sewing machines, like in football, they got sewing machines on the side, and they can knock that out like no time. Yep, quick. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all good. It is what it is. Especially the Nike for, what was it, Kepka? That surprised me. He's a Nike guy. 
So, you know, folks, they still hold against them what it what happened before. I mean, they just, you know, they don't want to let the past be in the past sometimes. Yeah, everybody's moved on, but, you know, those folks, they don't want to see nobody come up. They didn't want them there to begin with, and then they really didn't want him to come back after he, he got him when he did the first time. Yeah. And then here's the other thing, too, that I look at. I try to have an open mind. People have the right to do what they want to do. So regardless of, I mean, I don't know if some of these golfers wanted to do it or not, or they couldn't do it because of contractual agreements, but it was, they, you know, it was their choice. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. I just feel like if there's something you wanted to do, then do it. If not, I mean, don't give them, don't make up something as to why it couldn't be done. Just say, I don't want to. Yeah. It'd be real, you know? Oh, yeah. No, there's a bank list for that. You know, these guys got endorsements. Okay? That could cost, being honest could cost you money. Yeah. And you got to take a tough decision to make. Touch on a few, um, well, little known black history people involved in golf. I know, um, Kendra, you had Annie Gregory. Is that correct? When Bill Wright won, uh, golf was still segregated at the time. Um, he was a standout golfer and basketball player coming out of Seattle. Um, and he attended uh, Western Washington University. I believe it was an NAI school at the time. Um, he accomplished a lot of things. And he, you know, sh- you know, special shout out and condolences to his family. Um, you know, he just passed away here on uh, February 19th. So it was, what, a week ago? Oh, well, I'm saying a week ago, but, you know, what, nine days ago? 84 years old. One of his notable quotes is, you have to understand we cannot play in city tournaments, state tournaments, or national tournaments because we couldn't join a club. There are only three public golf courses in Seattle, um, West Seattle, Jackson Park, and Jefferson Park. That's from an interview in 2012. It's just a notable quote that he had. That's somewhere. But yeah, he was the first African-American to win a uh, tournament conducted by the United States Golf Association. USGA, yeah. He was 23 1959, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll say this real quick. One thing I've noticed about um, everyone that you've talked about, man, these guys dress very classy and business-like, man. They, it's, it's good to see that, man, that they, they, they're presentation to me not knocking nobody but you know sometimes how you look especially going through that time it says a lot about your character and for them to see them man so clean cut and and spiffy out there man going through what they were going through is dope they're always business like one of the things about it i mean they used to wear almost like a suit and tie when they went to go play anyway i mean that was just his best normal dress, but you just got to imagine that during that time, um, you couldn't, you couldn't come any less than that. Because they already don't want you there. 
I mean, you, you couldn't go use the dressing room, you can't go use the bathroom, you can't drink out the same water fountains. I mean, you just couldn't do anything. So you have to at least look to part and not give them a reason to turn you away because of, you know, what you're, at least by what you were wearing. Right. Or if you had the wrong shoes on, hey, you know, just, you know. It was disheartening a lot of times when I read these kind of stories and uh, what you know a lot of our folks had to go through just to be able to to play a game. Yeah, it, you know it's, it's a game when it all comes down to it, and it was done for no reason other than they just didn't want you there. That's it, right? He um he didn't start playing golf until he was fourteen. Um, his father and mother played golf as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you had uh you had a female, didn't it, uh, Kendrick? Yeah, and Gregory. So I mean, she was interesting enough. She was born in Mississippi. <laughs> right, since you were Mississippi boy. <laughs> Yeah, back in uh, uh, 1912. And she didn't start playing golf until she, after high school, um, which is right around 1930. Um, and then in 1937, that's when she won her first tournament. That's the, awesome. The Gary Amateur City Championship, which is in uh, uh, Gary, Indiana, right outside of Chicago. In Aberdeen, Mississippi. Gary, I got people living Gary. That's what's up. Gary's rough. <laughs> hey, that's that thing is where Zebo from. Gary, I mean, Gary is rough. I, I can just say, I mean, it's um, it is dep- it's a de- depressing place. <laughs> a lot of closed businesses. Uh, you know. People still live there, but you know, there's there's not a whole lot going on. Crime rates are real high. All right. What year did you say she won? Uh, nineteen thirty-seven. Is she was she a professional? Did she turn professional? She was not. It doesn't say whether she's professional. Then, uh, no, she didn't. She didn't. She played in her first uh, professional tournament in nineteen forty-five. And she finished second in that um, in that tournament. Man, that's a big deal. I mean, she had been playing what? Uh, you said she started in nineteen thirty. So she was eighteen. So I mean, you're talking about she's uh, but twenty two when she won the the Gamer, the Gary Amateur City Championship. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't turn professional until she was to nineteen forty four. Yeah. Whoa, here's here's something very interesting. In nineteen eighty nine, at age seventy six, and competing against a field of fifty women, she won a gold medal in the U.S. National Senior Olympic, beating her competitors by forty four strokes. Wow. At seventy six, still playing golf. I believe we talked about that. Uh, once upon a time, or just I think when um, your your guy when you're talking about um, 
uh, being in shape. What, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Who? When you talk about it, you know, um, what's the gentleman's name? One of your earlier episodes. Oh, uh, uh, Jeremy Crow. Yeah, Mr. Crow. And he was just talking about how, you know, being in shape and exercise doing the right thing to be able to play for a long time. Right. And for her to be playing at, not, at 76, like, I still got a ways to go, but I, man, that that should be a dope feeling to be able to still get out there and play at that age. Oh yeah, you think about like Gary Player, that dude still look like he in shape out there playing golf. Yeah, that dude his eighties. Hey, I'm gonna play until until big man take me on. That's the plan. Yeah. But yeah, so I had uh. Looked up uh, Lee Elder because we kind of touched on last week with him being the first guy, the first African American to play in the Masters. Right. And um, unfortunately, he didn't make the cut that year, but he was the first one to make it and um, to play in the in the uh, the Masters anyway. Hmm. In 1979, he tied for 17th. Yeah. And so, um, he actually had another guy in Dallas. The pro in Dallas is the one that helped him and uh, taught him how to play the game or whatever. And so, he would let him sneak in after hours and play the back six, back six, six holes because they was kind of, you know, out of, the, out of the way and they couldn't really see who was out there. Um And so he joined the United Golf Association, which was the African-American equivalent to the PGA Tour pretty much uh, in 1959. And he dominated it for about seven, for eight years. He won four Negro National Open Championships during that period. And he won 18 out of 22 tournaments that he played in. Mm. So that enabled him to be able to get the Q school for the PGA Tour. And he qualified easily. And uh, so in 1971, he became the first black golfer to be invited to play in the South African PGA Tournament, which was the his, his participation in the event made the first integrated sports event in South Africa since the establishment of the official apart- apartheid policy in 1948. Mm. So this dude made some serious history, man, across the world. Yes, he did. So in 1975 was when he made history and playing in Augusta, Georgia in the, in the Masters Open. I'm sitting there looking at a picture of me standing out there waiting to hit, man. Wow. He played in five. He played in more in five more Masters, won three PGA tournaments, and was named to the 1979 Ryder Cup team. Elder had a combined 12 tournament victories on the PGA and Senior Tours, earning more than a million dollars on each tour. His invitation to the 1975 Masters, however, proved to be the African Americans, proved that African Americans could compete at the highest levels of golf. So, man, like, it's a lot of history when it comes to uh, African Americans in golf 
you know, unfortunately, they don't share a lot of it and it's hard to find out about a lot of it. Um, I'm glad that we've been able to do that this month. And um, hopefully going forward, you know, if we run across somebody, you know, we can talk about it, um, especially when it's associated with the PGA tournament that, that week or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just not very well known, you know. I want to be able to share that with some of the other golfers, you know, so that we can know that we have played a role in the history of golf, uh, even with the guy that invented the the tee, you know. So, the first wood tee. Thank you again for listening to Burn Edge podcast. Please follow, like us, subscribe. So that you can keep in touch and you'll know when we have events coming up. We got some, the spring is coming soon, so we're going to have some events coming up. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you can be informed. Thank you again for listening.